Once Upon a Time, Season 4, Episode 11 is over, but we are just getting started here at Once Upon a Recap. Hello, all you magical people out there. My name is Mike Bloom, one of the co-hosts of Once Upon a Recap, and I am joined, as always, he's on his own quest in a metropolitan area. Who knows who he's trying to gather together, but it is Mr. Kurt Clark. Kurt, how you doing? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. This It's like, it, it almost feels like the last... Like all the the binge washing, and then the, like the last several months have, has all led up to this. But and, and if like for the first time, I'm actually like ah, looking forward to March. <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, Kurt and I have been watching this show since basically August. I think is when we decided that we wanted to start doing it. I know we didn't really start podcasting about it until September, but we had to start binging the season. So we've been watching and recapping this show for a four months at this point and man it has flown by i cannot believe we're already at the end of season 4a yeah it's this it, it it's kind of it's kind of a um uh kind of a mixed blessing mixed blessings the, the wrong phrase but it's 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 a melan- melancholy in terms of it, it'll be it'll be nice to have to like walk away from it and come back wanting more but at the same time it'll be uh It'll be kind of, I don't know, looking, looking forward to some changes. Yeah, I agree. And we'll, I'm sure we'll talk more, especially at the end, about the changes that we're looking forward to in uh, arc, of, arc 4B. But uh, I guess if I can give a few top stories from this episode, uh, the Arendellians have safely returned to their homes. Gold's plans were foiled, and we saw the breakup of not one, but two showmances in Regina and Robin Hood and Rumpel and Belle, but it seems like Rumpel is uh, on the rise a bit as he's gathering people together for the Avengers initiative. I mean, uh, the Queens of Darkness. Yeah, it's definitely a solid, a solid cliffhanger. Um, And wasn't expecting all of the, the breakup, breaking uping that happened to this episode, but uh, left us with lots more for, for March. Well, let's let's not bury the lead, Kurt. We have an ice wall to shatter. Yeah, we do. <laughs> so, and that I mean that that caps off the episode right there. So, I mean, we we had I think we brought it up last week about how we assumed that when Ingrid had, you know, committed Harry Carey in a way that all that every all of her magic had disappeared, and this becomes a lingering theme throughout the episode. But it turns out that the wall actually hadn't disappeared, but now. Elsa was able to bring it down. And it brings up a couple of questions, unfortunately, throughout this episode of how, how much is Ingrid's magic still lingering in Storybrooke? Oh, well, we, we find out a little bit later when we, you know, cut to some of what's going on with, with Regina and, and Robin Hood. But it, it seems like not as much of it is uh, gone as they had, had thought. Um, I think initially the, you know, the problem was that, you know, the, the the magic that was there couldn't be destroyed while she was still there. And you know, that was the issue with the ice wall. Now that she's gone, she was able to take that down. But now there's this there's still this this barrier around the, around the city that, that that's that needs to be taken care of. And then some other lingering effects of, of other curses, as we find out. Yeah, it's interesting. I didn't know that there was a barrier up beyond the ice wall. I thought the ice wall was the barrier itself. Maybe it was just like the physical manifestation of the actual curse that she had implemented. 
So it's like, it's like one of those things where, well, nobody can actually see the true barrier I put up. And so there has to be some sort of psychological effect as well. There needs to be something physical that people can look at. And so maybe that was the, the ice wall. So even though the ice wall was taken care of, there's still the issue with the actual uh, magical barrier. Yeah, plus I don't know if I really want to see 11 episodes of these characters faking walking into invisible walls. Yeah, and it's not even like it's a... I mean, that's the funny thing is it's not a... Um, I mean, technically, it's not a wall. People can walk through it. It's just they can't get back in. So you know, they were kept out before. Now they're no longer kept out. But if they choose to leave, they're kind of screwed. Yeah, exactly. So which is a slight modification on, I believe it was season two, which is like you can leave, but then you lose your memory. So it's, so it's kind of a different take because I know that's, that's what led to the always lovable Lacey arc. So it's interesting that even throughout four seasons, there have been so many different takes on spells and curses that have hit this poor town yeah like even when there was that scene where they're kind of like standing there on the edge of town we're near the nicely spray painted line i was asking myself is like i honestly couldn't remember for the life of me is it safe to step outside of town or is it no longer safe did they fix that before um i'm just gonna wait and let them tell me yeah i believe i believe it was safe in season three because remember like that's how i think all the lost boys conveniently got out of the story and how Wendy was taken home by her brothers is that, you know, people were able to come and go as they please. I think because from what I remember, Belle had put up a barrier to block out Michael and John, but they had just gotten in. And then when they, when all the main characters returned, the barrier got taken down. Right. Um, But they were all native to our world. Except for the well, Lost Boys aside, everybody mm-hmm. was native to our world. <laughs> yeah, a lot of, I don't know. Jury's jury's still out on that one. Yeah. So as uh, as, you know, st- looking at the situation, the Arendellians realize that they need to find a portal home. Elsa seems a little seems a little lackadaisical about it until Anna brings up the convenient fact that before they had left, Hans had in all intents and purposes, conquered their kingdom and was now, since everyone else is gone and Anna and Kristoff presumed dead, he was ruling the, the throne with an iron fist. And Hans, this episode was uh, much more of an off-screen villain. I don't think he even appeared <laughs> once in this episode. No, he didn't. It, it, it was, it would have been fun to see him, but, I, but, you know, we had other things to focus on. Yeah, exactly. Like the, uh, the ever-building Golden Hook storyline. It, it obviously came to a fervor this episode. I would say it was probably... The main focus, but the Regina storyline got a good focus as well, and we'll we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, so, you know, Hook comes to Gold, and Gold realizes that the main catalyst in his plan right now is Anna, and because Anna right now is the only person who knows what the hat does and the fact that Gold wants it and what he plans to do with it, because Gold decided to foolishly monologue about it back when they met each other. Uh, so he says he wants to take her out, but not luckily not in a, not, not in any sort of malicious way. Right. It, it was, and well, I didn't think I didn't, it wasn't so much that he wanted to take her out as much as his, his main concern was that a, she doesn't meet bell and B that, uh, she just gets out of here as soon as possible. So I think, you know, it seemed like the you know, hook was really trying to expedite the process of her getting home and it almost succeeded. Um, but I think you know, the other thing is that, you know, you know, gold does give voice to the, I was proud of myself. I actually got something right last week. I was like, cause I think last week I was questioning, 
you know, wouldn't have been easier for the plan if the Snow Queen had succeeded. Because, you know, Gold's plan was contingent on, you know, certain things happening and him being able to tell Belle and Henry that he saved the only people he could, but now everybody in town was safe. So he had to kind of readjust his plan, get a plan B, and Gold's kind of finally realizing that. Yeah, I actually think Anna being found and coming to Storybook was probably the worst thing that could have happened in his plan just because you know he could go he this whole season he's been under the guise of like well i don't i don't know who anna is i've never met anna i swear and like he's been able to to remain blissfully unaware to everyone else uh but with the arrival of her here she doesn't know that obviously and if you know they ever had a scene together she could just point at him and say oh hey how are you and then everyone's gonna realize (laughs) oh you lied you look less shiny and scaly, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I recognize you. You look less like a crocodile. What happened to your weird, uh, creaky voice? Yeah, it's um, it's one of those situations where I would think we get on to one of these like huge shows with tremendous casts. Yeah, you know, I, th- I think I even had the the issue with uh, Lost a little bit was trying to keep straight who actually had met who and who was aware of who because they were aware of all these storylines but i can't always keep separate in my mind where they intersect and where they don't um so so that was that was interesting i think you know not only did anna showing up you know ruin his plans it ruined the snow queen's plans um she just seems to be kind of the 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 wrench the wrench in the works for any 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 bad plan bad guy plans that are going on as she should be i mean they they spend eight or so episodes saying we need to find Anna. We need to find Anna. You better hope that Anna plays some sort of key role in these stories. Well, to be fair, it's primarily Elsa who's saying we need to find Anna. We need to find Anna. I need to find my sister. I need to find my sister. And we didn't know why, but once again, she's right. Yep. So, uh, as so hook decides, uh, to, oh, well, gold decides to really pursue this plan of action to send the Arendellians back as soon as possible. And we get the return of the CGI walking broomstick. Were you happy to see the walking broomstick back again, Kurt? I was, it was kind of nice. It was, it was it, fun. Yeah. And, and, and not only that, I was happy to, to, I, I want more of this mansion. I want more of this huge home. We, you know, we've, we've confirmed it belongs to the sorcerer. Um, and, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm just, I, I was, I was happy with, with the, with, uh, with more, more of that information. Oh yeah, well, especially because once again, Kurt, you were right. These, the, I won't jump the gun too much in jumping into Regina's storyline, but the mansion does indeed belong to the sorcerer, who is the author, as you predicted. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I, yes. Well, I'm looking forward to, uh, to, to covering a little bit more of that at the end of this, but the. Uh, uh, Henry actually played a, played a role in this episode. <laughs> I know that was probably the biggest surprise for me. Yes, and the least big surprise was probably the fact that Snow White had three lines and Prince Charming had one. Was he even in it? He had that. He, he well, he was again one of the big wrenches in the plan. He was the one that brought brought up to Anna later on that Mister Gold goes by the name oh. Rumpelstiltskin, but that was the only line he had in the whole show. Okay, sometimes they need their, their easier weeks, right? Yeah, just, well, and they're still getting their, what, like $10 million an episode? Oh, as they should. As, as they should. Uh, so, throughout all this, while Hook and Gold are doing their own thing, Gold has, has woken Belle up and uh, put her under the guise that they are going on a, a real honeymoon to New York because, you know, going to a, a random mansion about 20 minutes away isn't really much of a honeymoon. 
And as she's packing, who comes in but Henry? And this is the first real re- interaction I think we've seen between the two since Henry found out that she was technically his grandmother. Well, if he's constantly greeting her as, hey, grandma, I can see why she does not want to frequently interact with him. That's true. Henry, I know you've been uh, you you've only been raised in this town. You've you've only visited Manhattan for a few weeks at a time, but you need to learn some social graces. Please uh, do not refer to any woman under the age of 60 as a grandma. Yeah, there's this. Yes, this this was just a weird scene for me. Like it, it seemed like a, like a transition scene where something needed to happen, so you know you know throw it together. Yeah, a I, little bit. I I could agree with that. I do think it was kind of an awkward segue, and I think there was a lot of filler dialogue, especially from Henry's party. You know, like Bell conveniently asks Henry, you know, did his mom is his mom doing well, and he says, yes, yeah, she's on the way to a happier path. And then, you know, I I think if they had just they could have substituted any other dialogue in there. You could have been in dialogue from, I don't know, My Little Pony in there and just had them find the gauntlet, and the scene would have still made sense. We need to see that that edit. Well, you're you're the brony, Kurt. You I am not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so Belle, uh, you know, the gauntlet gets knocked over by Henry, uh, and she has a visceral reaction to it. We don't know why at the moment, but... As we'll find out through the flashbacks, it definitely holds a lot more weight than initially expected. Yeah, like she should have been excited that another suitcase was found, right? Or this magic <laughs> gauntlet fell. They're like, oh, this is the one that will, this is an all-powerful <laughs> object. This is great. Yeah, it's like you, you think that they, all, all sorts of times. I mean, this is a huge, was she in the back room of the pawn shop at this point? Because yeah, she was like, near, well, no, she was in the front. She was near the office. Anyway. Yeah, I think we need some sort of like, architect i think we need i think we need a uh some schematics behind the the pawn shop as well just because i feel like in some episodes it's really deep and some it's extremely narrow yeah maybe this one was in the this scene made maybe was in the back room i think it was because it looked a little bit more cluttered but i think there's the front room and then there's like the side door then the back room where they've hit up where like they've they've got a makeshift bed back there that people have had to sleep in on occasion um but yeah, and it wasn't until this episode tied in with the flashback that I kind of made the connection between the pawn shop and Rumpelstiltskin's uh, collection in his castle. I think there's a lot of... I, I'm like just now putting that parallel together. Yeah, I, I know there was... I feel like there were a couple of objects that we've seen between the two, but I don't know if there were any plot lines that were outright focused around them. I, I, have, to, I have to remember, but yeah, maybe that could, that could be the case. Yeah, I mean, I mean, less so in terms of like specific objects and more just that it's very collection like in both situations. That, that That's something that he's kind of uh, carried forth with him from the the forest to Storybrooke. Mm-hmm. That he, he's, he's, a, he's a collector. He's not a meat collector, but an artifact collector. I don't know. I don't know which is better. Well, meat. <laughs> obviously, obviously. I'll answer that for you, Mike. Meat. <laughs> well, let's have Hook meet everyone at Granny's, shall we? Oh, boy. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so Hook comes in as kind of a, a vessel for gold, literally, as we'll find out later in the scene, to uh, tr- to give the news that they have, they have found the portal to Arendelle and that he wants to, you know, they can get them home immediately. And, you know, Hook tries to celebrate and pours whiskey and everything. But Emma notices that something is up. And it turns out that uh, this we've, and, you know, we haven't seen a lot of, heart action in, in quite some time in the series but this is the first time since like 
Oh man, in a long, long time that we've seen someone actually use the heart to communicate as someone else. Yeah, it, I mean, it's funny because like when this scene started, I was my first question was, is he more in control here? Is this is this Hook speaking uh, what he wants to say? Like, is it is his because it seemed like he's trying to get them back to Arendelle really quickly. And I'm like, is this his way of avoiding any conflict? Like if I can get them out of here, then they won't get harmed or something, anything like that. But it quickly was answered. No, this is all Gold's plan. Yeah. And it's interesting. I wonder. So at the end of this scene, Hook grabs Emma's wrist forcefully, which I think we're meant to believe that that was Hook communicating to Emma that something's up. Now, I don't know, obviously, the rules behind talking through someone's heart, but is he allowed to do that? Is, is, is his overwhelming love for Emma enough to overpower Gold's hold on him temporarily so he can do that? Or is he, or is he, is he allowed to, to do whatever he wants physically? I think that was like a momentary moment of strength that he found. Um, I... I mean, through the logic of the show, I'd have to say that it wasn't it's not his love that can do it because he doesn't have a heart in him currently. So he cannot love. How morbid, Kurt. Yeah, <laughs> but I, th- I think it was just more of a I think but I think there's still self-preservation. I think he, he still can want to communicate to her that he's not fully in control. And so I think, you know, he can try to fight certain things or like find a hole in the orders that he's been given. But I, I, I think that was just a, yeah, a, a signal that something's happening. Like if, if you see suddenly like, you know, you think you see someone open their eyes momentarily when they're in a coma, it was something similar to that, a, a reaction that was meant to communicate. There's something going on. Yeah. Or like someone, uh, I don't know, being asked to like film a terrorist video as their victim. And they have to speak the words aloud in a script and then they mouth like, run or they hold up a sign that says something else it's sort of a uh like two two different messages going on at once and obviously emma has no idea what to make of this so she just continues on with the plan she's been given and she brings the arendellians along with henry and david and mary margaret to the magical mansion yeah this is some nice real estate and i was hoping that you know we're talking about schematics this is a place i want to see schematics for because i want to see exactly what they have in front of them because we seem to have we seem to always see like the same two rooms. <laughs> That's very true. I mean, I don't know if this was a, a sound soundstage or if the Once Upon a Time crew was able to get a mansion in Vancouver. But if it's if it's the latter, definitely provide more rooms. I mean, it seems like with the revelation that this is the author's mansion, that they'll be spending a lot more time in it in, in season four B. But who knows? We might we might spend a whole few episodes in the bathroom for some reason. <laughs> but I want to see that bathroom. That's that's where that's the Ursula's portal is through the through the toilet. <laughs> oh, you're but, jumping ahead. You're jumping ahead. I'm saying I, I don't want to. I don't want to jump ahead too much. Let's let's focus on our Arendellian farewell. As uh, it's mainly between Emma and Elsa. Uh, everyone else is just yeah. kind of like great. I we just met, you know, probably like twelve <laughs> hours ago. <laughs> those clothes are starting to reek a little bit. Let's this, this is get you out of here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I, I think, uh, I think Emma was definitely a champion for being able to hug Elsa after Elsa has been in the same dress for 11 episodes for us and probably in storybook timeline, probably like four or five days. Yeah. I'm surprised there wasn't a little bit more of a connection between Elsa and maybe snow. Cause she kind of had some impromptu nanny duties going on at certain points. Yeah. Yeah. Though but, I guess, you know, when you're, when you're forced to become uh, 
<laughs> you're forced to become victim foster sisters to uh to a, a maniac that wants to recreate her family. You kind of you kind of form a bond that way. Yeah, yeah. But it was uh ironically it was Anna who was the last person to go through the door. Yeah, and oh man, if she did not turn around now, if she took one more step, uh, I think this this would have ended very differently. Um you know what? Not really. You don't if you think, think so? about it. No, because they it was all it was all Belle that saved the day. Anna, we're sorry. When, oh, when, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, because I was thinking about that and like, you know, technically, yeah, they got to the watchtower, but then they were frozen and nothing happened. <laughs> yeah, I guess that that is very true. I totally forgot about that. I think it's because I'm so used to and one of the things I love about the scene coming up in the clock tower is because we're so used to the triumvirate of Emma, David and Mary Margaret, some combination of them saving the day that we did not expect them to just get immediately frozen and for Belle to step out of the shadows to do something. Yeah, that was that was a nice surprise. I actually liked that 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 moment. So uh, it, let's go let's go back to this scene quickly. Though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Anna just randomly says off the top of their head, like, oh, this Mr. Gold sounds great. I wish I could have met him. Who is he in your world? And <laughs> it's it's a little weird to me that they never like said his his uh his enchanted forest name ever in the time that they were together. I mean, I'm trying to remember. We haven't heard it a whole lot, have we? He's kind of like left that moniker behind. I think, or or probably just because gold is easier to say. It is. I it's, it's I use that in my notes exclusively. Yeah, I I <laughs> tend to use when he's in the uh when he's in Storybrooke, I use gold. When he's in the enchanted forest, I still use the term rump, just because I feel like the way. <laughs> That Robert Carlyle plays him. I feel like Rumpelstiltskin in The Enchanted Forest is a completely different character from Mr. Gold at this point. Oh, that, that's true. It's like a Gollum Smeagol situation. There you go. It's a Smeagol situation. Oh, uh, <laughs> that'll top the country cards, country charts soon. Don't worry. Uh, so, you know, as we talked about before, Anna does the thing that Gold doesn't want her to do and. It reveals that she knows him and that kind of tips them off that something's up because clearly if gold's lying about this, what else is he lying about? Yeah. And I, I, I didn't get the impression that, um, that she could have put connected enough of the dots together to be able to tell them what was going on. And it doesn't seem like she did. It's just like, okay, there's something going on. They need to investigate. <laughs> yeah. Though again, she's been in this town for like 12 hours. I don't know if she really knows like, you know, she hasn't heard anything, but like, man, this Mr. Gold is a skeevy character. Or like, I wonder what Mr. Gold's up to. He's been walking around with the hat lately, muttering to himself. She just kind of like threw the comment out there and said, OK, bye. Yep. <laughs> Good luck with that. Yeah. So let's let's get to the clock tower scene, because this is a, a very, very climactic moment for a variety of reasons. So, you know, Gold and Hook, Hook uh, is able to summon the stars out of the hat. We get to see what the stars look like outside of the hat. It's a pretty... It's a pretty beautiful sight for something that's about to wreak <laughs> apocalypse on the town. That's some really good real estate there. It's like library, caverns, clock tower, planetarium. I mean, there's this, this Oculus uh, opening at the top of the dome that we hadn't seen before. Yeah, I did not know that that existed either. <laughs> it's a it's a plan because I remember when the when the scene opened up, I had to pause pause it uh, for a moment, and I paused it on the ceiling of the clock tower and I looked at it and I thought what is this place that we're about to see like is this like the uh, an evil layer of some sort and I'm like oh no it's just the ceiling of the clock tower for all we know maybe gold just blew a hole into the roof and it just it just had a very smooth transition <laughs> yeah yeah maybe 
because there's no other there's no other reason to explain that. Yeah. Uh, so you know, Gold is hit by some sort of weird light as a result of the stars, and Emma and for some reason Snow White show up. I'm not sure why she was there. Well, this is I had thought maybe some of like the others had like circled around the back although there really isn't a back like that there there was another plan in place or something um so i was yeah i was wondering what happened to like uh well charming and so i guess that would be the the main person i guess that was he missing said, he said his one line and then he was done for the show he was done he, he took his pay and went home yeah um i did i did notice though and i don't know if it was on purpose i mean it did seem like he very pointedly and we were obviously shown him setting the dagger down so i actually thought that maybe hook was going to do something with it or or something but Mm -hmm. now so we talked about this i think in part two of the big smash the mirror episode were were you really fearful for hook at this point kurt did you really think they were going to kill him off no because they were talking way too much about it yep Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I mean, like, I know I know uh, once creators have alluded to in interviews that they they might kill a main character off this season. But I I a I don't think it would be done in this manner. And B, I don't think it would be done midseason. I mean, I could have seen it midseason, um, but I think I, I really just did think that they were talking about it way too much for it to actually happen. Um, I think if it was going to happen, they would have just done it. They wouldn't have like led up to it by like mentioning six or seven times. Yeah. So uh, in, a, in a complete non-surprise, Gold tries to crush Hook's heart and nothing happens. But in a complete surprise to us, it turns out that Bell is the culprit. So I guess flashing back now, uh, and we'll get to this with more with the flashback episode, the gauntlet showed to Bell that no matter what, Gold was power hungry and he was going to, to try to grab all sorts of objects that would make him all powerful no matter what. And that kind of hinted her off to the idea that he still was in possession of the dagger and lied to her about it. So luckily she got there in time. If it took her like five seconds more to think about it, Hook would have been dead. Yeah. If, 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 if Henry had not gone up that ladder as quickly as he had. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it was, it was strange. Like we're kind of led to believe at this point, a couple different things. A, that, um, that gold never actually traded the gauntlet, which we will explore more later on. Um, but B, I think, you know, she apparently, you know, used its power to see what was most important to him, what he was most in love with. And it was not her, but the, the dagger. And, um, luckily she kind of figured out where to find him. Yeah. If, if it was, uh, if it was Anna that was in Belle's place, I, I think Hook is a goner. Yeah. <laughs> Considering that she didn't really even put two and two together with gold at the door, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what she would do if she was given all that information. She can think about things one at a time, but she's good at it. Yeah, but she's, no, she's great at it. And, you know, every, everyone has their niches. Yes. So Belle, in, in, her, in her badass way, is able to use the dagger to command uh, gold to basically undo everything. The stars get sucked back up into the hat. Uh, which is interesting. I thought that like all the magic would be out of the hat or the hat would be done. But it seems like right now the hat is just kind of there now in the town. I'm, Gold's obviously gone from the town, obviously. And, and the only people that know what the hat does are gone. Uh, but the, that hat is just that all powerful hat is just sitting there now. 
Yeah, it, it's like the nuclear power plant is no longer critical, but it is still fully functioning and online. Yeah, and, <laughs> and waiting and waiting to go critical again. And maybe this will become a big plot point for four B. You know, if Hook gathers oh, the villains right. together and says, basically tries to do a take two at this plan. Yeah. So they Bell also makes him warp them to the town line, and this is one of our two killer scenes at the town line. Uh, I won't jump the gun too far, Kurt, but. I don't use I'll admit I don't usually get terribly, terribly emotional at the show. Maybe it's the fact that we binged the first three seasons. <laughs> I was I think I was still really tired during Neil's death, uh, which is why I was so emotional about it. But these these two scenes at the town line were just like they were heartbreaking to me. This this maybe I'm just a cold hearted monster. Um, this one was less so for me. Only, maybe, you know, it, part of it is because, you know, I'm, I'm taking notes, you know, while I watch it. Um, but I mean, well, part of it, I actually thought that uh, at one point I thought that she was going to, you know, kill herself, like stab oh, herself with a dagger. That would have been crazy. Because she was like, you know, you never you never choose me. And it's too late for you to change. And then when she like holds up the dagger, I thought I thought that she was like, oh, she's going to she's going to plunge it into her stomach. <laughs> I wonder what I wonder what would have happened then. I don't think the dagger has ever been used to kill anyone. I wonder if it has any sort of magical uh, after effects from doing that. Oh, I don't know. But then, then I remember that this is you know basically Disney at heart, and that would probably not happen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I will. I, I will say that I, I agree. I did find the Regina scene a lot more emotional. There is one moment in this scene that really got to me, and it was the moment when bell you know flat out says the command in the knife to send him across the town line and i think for the first time since flashbacks in season two we get to see gold slash rumpelstiltskin terrified which i i always had a lot of fun with that was the reason why he became one of my favorite characters was this whole backstory of him being a coward and his his absolutely enormous fear of not having any sort of power and of the unknown so to have him like slowly back into this barrier completely afraid of what's going to happen really really did it for me and i was just thinking about like the technicalities like is he he's pausing he shouldn't be able to pause he shouldn't be i mean she gave him a straight up command and he should be backing up and just doing it and he seemed to be resisting it and fighting it and i was like what's up with that come on yeah. he has to he has he, he should be backing up faster <laughs> Because well, no, okay, I was because no. I, I, I was waiting for something bad to happen. I didn't want something bad to happen. Well, if if Hook was able to grab Emma's wrist forcefully while under the command of the heart, maybe Gold able to pause himself for two seconds under the control of the dagger. Yeah, maybe there's something going on that we don't know of. Oh, that's true. That's <laughs> true. And I thought there was a really nice uh, Beauty and the Beast moment brought up here, where Belle says that you know she once saw the man behind the beast, but all she can see is the beast. Yeah, nice reminder that that, that was a story tie-in. Yeah. So. Uh, I'll, I'll tie in a little bit of like a, a you know what ifs for season four B here, Kurt. Do you would you like to see the two of them get back together? Do you think they're going to become polar opposites? Obviously, now that Gold is going to try to get back into Storybrooke, how do how do you think the Bell Rumpelstiltskin storyline is going to turn out next next half season? I think unless he is unless he does something to redeem himself, they're not going to be back together. I would I would agree with that. I mean, it has to be something major. <laughs> and honestly, I I love the Rumpelstiltskin character, and I, I really enjoy Belle, too, but I'm okay with that. Uh, yeah. I, I feel like, especially 
this season. Like, I think it was season one was obviously fun to watch them get together. Uh, season two was like, I'm not a big fan of the lazy stuff, but it was still like kind of interesting to watch, especially her combating with her lost memories and learning to fall in love with him again. Uh, season three, they were separated for a lot of it. So it was fine. But like, I feel like once they got married and they had a lot of scenes together in season four, it just didn't go anywhere. Yeah. She's just kind of become part of the charmings. Yeah. Which is good. Now Bella has more of an independent character. And I mean, Emily DeRevin is a series regular. So hopefully this means more scenes for her in the next yeah. arc. Now that she's not associated with Rumple. Correct. So, you know, after this, uh, after he cries out emotionally to her, though, he's at this, you know, from his angle, he's just crying out emotionally to the street uh, in a in a Marlon Brando moment. Who knows? It could be a Marlon Brando moment. Uh, we we get back to Arendelle and oh, my God, Kurt, Elsa is in a different dress. I know. And her hair is up. <laughs> yeah, this was that this was an improvement. This is the first time we've seen that dress outside of flashbacks in Three months. Yep. That is, I think, actually, I think that's a good bookend for this this half arc is that we started with her in this dress and we ended with her in this dress. And they smell chocolate. And they smell chocolate. And Anna <laughs> apparently kicked the piss out of Hans off screen. Yeah, that would have been something fun to see on screen. Yeah, I would have liked to see her punch him in the face. They could have done some sort of stage combat thing. And I'm sure Hans would have like flown off like Team Rocket and Pokemon into the sky with a big ding that happened afterwards. Maybe there's a secret scene we're missing. <laughs> maybe, maybe. So uh, this seemed to have wrapped up the Arendelle storyline once and for all. I know we were speculating as to whether these characters would come back, but I, I would say based on this scene that we are done with the Frozen arc officially. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely ways that they... If they wanted to, they could get them back or introduce them. But it definitely feels like this was uh, closing the book on on our, our Frozen storyline. Yeah, and, and it really didn't hamper the uh, if we're going with the Frozen canon. I know I think the creator said that this this stuff isn't part of the Frozen canon, but I feel like it could it could be fine segueing into Frozen 2. There wasn't any sort of like major major disruption of the plot that would affect the storyline of Frozen 2 in any grave fashion. I forgot that's going to be a thing. And on Broadway. Mm. <laughs> that sounds you like lost, you are you lost, so you excited. Lost you lost me. <laughs> Back in Storybrooke, uh, Emma, we, Emma shoves Hook's heart into his body and they passionately kiss, which reminded me that uh, after their date episode in episode four, they, we really did not see a lot of Hook and Emma scenes for the rest of this half season. No, not a whole lot. No, I guess because it was his involvement with Gold. But it looks like hopefully one of my other uh, desires of season four B will be that we get to see more Hook and Emma stuff. Just because, I mean, the Internet loves that pairing. Obviously, they, they work for they work well together for a reason because they have great chemistry together. And it, I feel like it suffered a little bit from separating them for so long. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, I don't know, these, I'm, I'm trying to like just capture in my mind how these 11 episodes have felt. Like, did they go fast? Did they go slow? There's th like, there's definitely things I miss. I think that relationship between the two of them was one of the things I miss. But it's like, well, it's only been 11 episodes and we've seen them together in some of them. Um, but you're definitely hoping we get more in the in the back half. Yeah, I would I would say to answer your thoughts right now that I think there were certain things 
that went really fast and there were certain storylines that went really slow. And the storyline we're about to get to, which is the Regina storyline, I thought had a really, really nice payoff. But that being said, I do not think it was worth checking in on them every single week when we knew what the problem was from like episode three. (laughs) Sorry to all you Crypt Sex fans out there, but I could have done without it. Oh, yeah. And yeah, I, I... Should we talk about that? Are we ready to, to yeah, jump to let's, that? Yeah, let's let's jump right into it. As uh, as Marion is finally reanimated. Yeah, and it just kind of because I you know I I had forgotten that um, to slow the to slow the curse that they had removed her heart. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that too. Though she seemed fine because uh, you know after Ingrid maybe the makeup artist was gone for the for that day, yeah. but after Ingrid's curse left, Marion looked fine all the frozen makeup was gone it'll show up later on but she she looks fine she just needed a heart at that point yeah it and so where things go from here ends up being a little bit of a surprise well both in terms of um what ends up happening with marion but i think you know the the very next scene where you you see you know you know regina's kind of camped out in granny's diner and marion comes in that was a strange conversation (laughs) Yeah, it was weird. And I'll admit, like, part I, I, I wish if I had a, one, a couple of regrets about season 4A is that I kind of wish that Marion wasn't put into this frozen coma from episode 3, just because I would have liked to get to know the character more. We really know nothing about her. So I think we're kind of, we're kind of support, we're supposed to sympathize more with Regina's side. But if you look at it from her perspective, this is a horrible situation to be put in you ha- you you know for if, if, from your timeline you just hop back and you saw your husband again and you're in love with him but from his perspective it's been you know 20 28 years and he is obviously in love with another woman and she seems fine with it but like it's it has to be crushing yeah um and i think and part of the part of the weird thing here in watching this is uh, you kind of got the whole, you know, the Mist Haven and Enchanted Forest storyline where things are out of a fairy tale and things are out of a book. And, you know, there's certain things in narrative that you regularly see, you know, you know from a trope perspective. It's like uh, people will say and do things that, you know, no real life person would ever act or say this in terms of how they respond to their emotions. And then you kind of have the storybook side, which is a bit of where that gets very much blurred and you have a little more of a quote-unquote reality our world and it's like the the reaction that marion has is what you would expect to see in a story like oh this is this kind of helps tie everything up nicely but then you clash that against the reality of the situation it's like you know nobody would ever have that response yeah especially when she has a son with him as well and i regina brings up the good point in the park scene that this is an extremely awkward situation for roland as well and i i think at least like what would be implied is that like not only would Marion be giving up Robin, I feel like she would be giving up Roland as well. I wouldn't want to put my son through a situation of like taking him from his father. So she has to kind of give him up too, so he can have a family. Mm, I don't know about that. I mean, I think the, you know, there's, you know, you know, plenty of, you know, marriage situations in America where, you know, the, you know, divorce happens and, you know, the, the, the child still gets to see both parents. And I think they, they just hadn't agreed on a custody uh, schedule. <laughs> That's another thing I want to see in season four. B. I want to see my first enchanted forest divorce. Divorce court. I just want to see like, 
uh, maybe, you know, maybe Ursula will be like, there'll be like a, a merman walking around. just like, oh, no, there's my ex. You keep bringing up Ursula, Mike Bloom. I, I, you know what? I, I wanted to be a marine biologist when I grew up, so maybe it's she's the first one that I think of. I do, I do love me some Maleficent, and Corolla is uh, a little anachronistic, but but okay in that world. But man, something about Ursula. Yeah. So get ready, so get ready, folks. The Ursula love will probably only increase tenfold as we cover season four B. So speaking of that park scene, uh, Robin decides to choose her, which I mean, I think we all were probably knew would happen at that point oh yeah i, I mean I, I what i didn't expect to happen was for like marion to suddenly collapse yeah that, <laughs> and that again brings up this whole question of like well that, first of all it was oddly convenient that it happened then and that it didn't happen immediately after she had her heart put in her body uh but it again brings up this question of like how lingering is ingrid's magic well, was it the or was it like the declaration of love and commitment or like the, the the choice that Robin finally declares? Is that what it, you know, did that trigger this somehow? <laughs> That's fun. Your your heart will freeze over when uh, mm-hmm. you become the cuckold. Yes, there you go. <laughs> so, yeah, so the, it looks like some of the spell is, is still in effect, just as I mentioned earlier. And Regina comes up with the solution pretty quickly uh, because, you know, magic will be for you know the the all the magic will disappear once they leave Storybrooke. Uh, Marion should cross the town line, but of course, since she is from the Enchanted Forest area and really has no idea how the modern world works, uh, she can't go alone. And so Robin and Roland have to go with her. Okay, did not buy this completely. I'm sorry. You didn't buy this it. Is, uh, no, 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 not at all. I'm like, you know what? Just okay. The Crossing of the town line will cure her, sure. But then let's have a discussion about how we handle that. Like, she immediately goes to the worst possible situation for her. Yeah. I'm like, you know what? I'm, you know, we know that Gold is going to potentially be leaving town. Maybe he can like, <laughs> try go with, go with no, her. Again, she, if they had waited about, like, six hours, uh, she would have had a buddy to go with. A couple buddies, yeah. little little bell marion and gold action that that, um, would, that would have been fun um yeah. the season 4b would have been like a, a gold and marion buddy com road trip comedy like planes trains and automobiles or like three's company or like three's <laughs> company exactly it's uh oh man we were we were deprived of that yeah um or she takes up settlement directly on the other side of the wall like they they a, something gets built there they bring in contractors who are who are to build something because like supplies and physical objects can freely leave the dome. Um, and I, I think they just jumped to the solution way too quickly. Yeah, exactly. When she crosses the line, she doesn't have to do anything. She just has to cross the line. Yeah. And I'm sure that there are other people who want to leave Storybrooke <laughs> to be completely honest. We've been here for 28 years. Can, can we leave now, please? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, as as Marion's frozen heart is unfrozen, Kurt, did you have your frozen heart during this goodbye scene as well? Eh, I was fine with it. <laughs> if I if I had been like sitting on my couch watching it at night, and you know, versus uh, you know, you know, you know, catching it on my you know laptop over lunch, uh, then it might might have felt a little bit differently about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I I'll admit that the the second half of the scene to me is the much more powerful part. The first half of the scene is a little odd. Again, it reminds me of like the 
Bell Henry scene where like you didn't really know what they were getting to. Uh, Gold basically went to like say goodbye to her, but also kind of gloat to her. Though we do get Regina again. She goes back to the idea that she'll never get a happy ending, which I'm sure will be come into play much more as we get into season four. B. Uh, we also get an interesting uh, conversation about how arguably Rumple's character has regressed a bit. Oh, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, but though he claims he is, uh, to quote a wise Hans, the author of his own fate. Yeah, and actually, again, in, in terms, I thought that maybe because there was also a strange moment where, um, you know, it was it was nice that uh, he is kind of wishing upon Regina a happy ending for her. I thought that he was going to get out and just like kill Marion before she could cross the border. <laughs> just stabs her, walks away. Yeah, it's like, like, you're welcome there. You have everything you need now, Regina. This is how you take your happy ending. Boom. <laughs> but I, I don't know. I, I, but I keep remembering, I'm watching like Once Upon a Time and not Reservoir Dogs. So yeah, or, or like Breaking Bad or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah, so they, they have their they have their goodbye because at this moment, Gold still thinks that he's uh, he's going to he's he is going to leave the town, but he thinks he's going to leave it under much better circumstances. And this is when we have the big goodbye scene. Now, I, I'll admit, uh, as much as I really enjoyed this scene, I do have one major caveat, and that is the gaggle of men that are standing to the side. The merry <laughs> men who we have, we have not heard from since like the end of season three. Right. And we've really not had much. I mean, there's at one point there's a call out for. You know, Little John is distinguished at one point, and we know Will Scarlet, but you know we haven't, you know, we haven't really had any, uh, you know, Friar Tuck or uh, you know, I'm trying to remember some of the names of the ones that weren't in the (laughs) Blinken. Oh, (laughs) yeah. I I just I feel like I it's weird. I feel like we could have had you know for making Robin Hood such a big character this season. I feel like we could have seen more from him and and the merry man because it's such a, an interaction that we don't usually see on the show i think the two big things they could have they missed out on were this and when the spell of shattered sights hit i would have loved to see them all brawling against each other with long swords and crossbows and all that i think maybe that would have stretched the limits of the believability in terms of but they don't kill each other yeah i guess that's true for being like skilled uh skilled people of weaponry the the fact that they didn't kill each other is, is a little off yeah, maybe they did tie each other to trees. Yeah, that could that could that could have happened. Uh, but they they also also seem very complicit with the idea that he's leaving as well. They're just, and they also choose not to go with them, which is a little weird to me too. That's true. I mean, I think that would have been like again going back to who could potentially go with Mary. And I'm sure you know she knows the Mary men. I'm sure that some of them aren't that merry about where they're at and would have been willing to leave town. Um, you know, to be her her you know guardian or or more wink wink nudge nudge um but yeah they were there there's kind of there as like well they should be there so let's put them in the background but we don't have anything for them to say so let's just keep them standing there yeah i think if they had built up the will scarlet character more in this arc i think this could have been a, an interesting move on his part if he had decided to you know fall on his sword a bit and leave with married if they, if they made him like a, a one a one arc character, a half a season character. That could have been very interesting. But no, it looks like we're going to possibly get more of him in the second half. I hope so, because they really, we really have seen nothing of him. And even in this scene, he was just standing in the background. Yeah, I was, I was expecting to see there. I was surprised that there was no interaction between him and, uh, um, and, and Robin Hood. Well, between Will Scarlet and Robin Hood. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree. And, and now we'll we'll never see it again. Yeah, maybe. Mm. I did see, and I, I, I know we usually don't talk about previews, but I think we're okay talking about the random sneak peek preview thing that they showed at the end of this episode. They did show a shot of Robin Hood in this coming March 2015 uh, promo. So that's that's weird. I did me. not see the promo. They, they did not show it uh, in the online where I was watching it. Yeah, there really wasn't much besides that. You know, it was just, you know, it was Mad Men-esque, like random out of sequence lines from various characters but there was a shot of Robin Hood shooting an arrow I wonder maybe it'll be a flashback thing uh, I thought it would be nice closure if he just left but I mean this is once upon a time they can bring back characters however they want yeah so as Regina tearfully says goodbye to her one true love she <laughs> takes out that that storybook page of them uh, them making out and she she you know dramatically rips it up and it looks like we are once again for maybe the Six or seven time this uh, this season, we are back to despondent Regina. Yeah, she litters. Despond- despondent Regina is a litter bug. Yeah, she we, doesn't. We she does that. not care about the environment. She did get one last good kiss in. Oh, that was yeah. That was um, that was a very was passionate kiss. Really glad that Marion was not able to see that happening. That uh, would have yeah. been awkward. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, but but yeah, she's she's kind of gone f- full circle. Back to, back to where she started. Um, but I think, you know, interestingly, we didn't really talk about this. I think this is the second mid-season finale in a row where we've seen basically a major, major change for Gold. Was it the, the mid-season one last year uh, where he kind of took himself out? Like, we thought that there yeah. was potential that he was was uh, was a goner, right? Yeah, yeah. There was... Uh, it was killing, uh, killing Pan. Yeah, and the... It's interesting. I feel like both this and the season three midseason finale uh, were very much like they could they could almost function like as if this if you would if we point to this episode and say this was the season series finale, I think I'd be like, okay with it. Last season, I would say like, oh, that's definitely like a serious finale. But like they do a weird job of like tying everything up in a nice little neat little package and then like sneaking one little thing in there for you to look forward to in March. Yeah. So uh, Emma is all about the shots when she when she gets to <laughs> Granny's. I the, the whole idea of Granny's having alcohol is still weird to me because it's, it's a diner and I don't have many yeah. much experience ordering alcohol from diners. Yeah, it's like and I, I notice here it looks like it's kind of candlelit and it's like a little, like a little bit more atmosphere. And I'm like wondering, is she trying to steal restaurant business from that only other restaurant in town? Yeah, or the the White Rabbit, that really seedy club. Yeah, it's kind of taking the, the uh, both of those places have, you know, dim lighting. Uh, maybe I should try that in the evenings. Mm-hmm. But before, you know, I don't, I, think, I don't think they even get their shots before Henry runs over to them and tells them that he he's, uh, <laughs> you know, right after the Arendellians disappeared through the door, I guess they just left Henry there to just kind of walk around for a bit because it's he can't really go anywhere. The town's walled in, but he has found something special. Yeah, he uh, he he. We saw earlier he was kind of you know taken with this mansion, and he's apparently been exploring it. and And I was really looking forward to saying, okay, this is going to be something that we don't know anything about yet, because you know it, it probably doesn't have to do with the the you know the queens of darkness or whatever. And uh, this this is something new, and I was looking forward to seeing what exactly happened here. Yeah, it was really it's cool. It's interesting, this whole idea that there is a room full of blank storybook stories that seem to be like 
waiting to be written. And I'm, I'm assuming we'll find out a lot more about the sorcerer slash the author in season 4B. But I would love to know, like, what is the process of getting a story down? Is it sort of like, I'm reminded of, like, the character Isaac in, series, in season 1 of Heroes, where he had, like, prophetic visions and then he painted them. Is that sort of a similar thing, or does the writer he write it down? Wasn't he the bartender, too? Like, and he gave, like, two thumbs up to everybody? Love, uh, love no, boat. you're thinking of the love boat. Okay. You're thinking of okay, the love okay. boat. Uh, Sorry. Conveniently working at Granny's Diner as well. Yes. That's what, that's what it did feel like. I was actually going to bring that up before, that, like, Regina's sitting in that bar, and I was waiting for Isaac to be like, what the long face? <laughs> and approximately 80% of our listeners have no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> Gotta bring it back to Frozen. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, so, no, I was... Yeah, this what did you the, think? This was I really I really thought this was a cool scene and I'm, and again it's you know some pieces are coming together we you know was I think you know the question is is the person who was sucked into the hat uh, was was that truly the sorcerer's apprentice I had said earlier that he was the sorcerer himself um, masquerading as his own apprentice uh, I don't know if I'll be three for three in terms of this storyline but um, you know maybe he does come back. Uh, I, I was part of me was wondering, like, is there was like some sort of mystical force maybe that writes the books, whereas things kind of happen, then they trigger writing. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to see what what ends up happening here. Mm-hmm. Um, but it 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 should be a doozy. Look, definitely looking forward to this. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I throw this out there. Prediction. The sorcerer is Merlin. Well, that that actually segues nicely into our flashback talk because I feel like there has been a lot of discussion about Camelot. You know, there was the uh, not so highly regarded epi- flashback episode with the sword in the stone. Uh, there's you know some other Camelot talk as well. We get the Gauntlet, we've had Lance a lot. Yeah, when we have Blance a lot, obviously <laughs> my favorite one time character, Blance a lot. But uh, yeah, I I agree. Maybe maybe we'll see more of Camelot. I mean, they they. They're going to be using these flashbacks to obviously tell the story of these three Queens of Darknesses. But I feel like that might not fill 11 or 12 episodes. So maybe that maybe they'll need to uh, find another episode here or there. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's And part of the trouble I'm having is that I also started watching the new Librarians series on TNT, which has a lot of tie ins to uh, it, it's it's very uh pawn shop warehouse 13 bunch mm-hmm. of mystic artifacts sort of thing and there's a lot of camelot and arthurian legend tie-ins to that so at this point my mind's getting a little bit, bit blurred between what i'm thinking from that show and what i'm thinking for this show but like you said it seems like there's been enough references to camelot that i would not be surprised if there was a tie-in in some way i thought you said you're gonna get bogged down you're bogged down by all these gallivant promos that were playing during once upon a time Every time they introduce a new person who's on that show that I don't care about. <laughs> oh, come on. You got to care about John Stamos. No, no. He's the one I do care about. John oh. Stamos is amazing. <laughs> it's the one they, it's the way, whoever it is, they announce right after John Stamos. I'm like, Weird Al? No, no. Before that. It's like some guy whose name I vaguely oh, yes. recognize. Some older but, male. I'm like, but yeah. And I'm like, but he's like billed second as a guest star. And it's like a, like Hugh. Some th- I oh, don't know. Bonneville from Downton Abbey. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kurt, you have to get you have to get into Downton Abbey. Oh no, I've seen the first season, and I'm looking forward to the second season. But it's still not like you know you're giving him billing over Ricky Gervais. 
That's true. That's true. We have we have a weird way of uh, classifying our Brits. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> let's uh, let's get back. So let's jump into the flashback here. Uh, so it goes. It goes. It's an, it was an interesting flashback. Um, I thought in a very strong episode. I'm not sure outside of introducing the villainesses if it was really necessary. I think we definitely saw enough mm-hmm. with the Bell and Rumpelstiltskin stuff from like season one and season two that we yeah. didn't necessarily need it. But I thought it was a fine framing device otherwise. Yeah, it, it was. I mean, like, yeah, we, we've we've pretty much have their relationship and the ebb and flow of their relationship defined. Um, part of me was wondering when. It, it was like, oh, so this is like a missing chapter in a book. Like, so wait, this happened and we didn't know about this happening. And that seems odd, but it's never been pertinent to the plot. Um, so, you know, technically because of the structure of how things are told in this, in this world, you could have somebody, you know, something happen and then, uh, and then go back and put in a rationalization later. We're not going to have to necessarily cover everything. And it allows you, the structure of the story allows you to go back and do kind of a, a strange pre hoc, post hoc, ad hoc, uh, rationalization. Yeah. Um, and they might do the same thing that they did with, uh, Anna meeting David this, this, uh, this half season where maybe, you know, maybe next half season they'll run into some of these major characters and they just won't remember it. And the fact that like they haven't, you know, Thought about Cruella Deville in a long time, but when they see her now, all the memories come back. Yeah, but, it, but it's all it's all kind of kicked off by the fact that you know, you know, Belle's the maid; she's cleaning things, and he has a new shiny gauntlet for her to take care of. Mm-hmm. And this gauntlet apparently literally points in the direction of a person's greatest weakness. So I guess you can say the person's name or something, and that's how it picks. Or is it just, or is it the person who wears the gauntlet? it points to their greatest weakest. We never actually saw it in use, um, but I'm the way that I imagine it would work best is you have to wear it and then it points. And I think, and to be clear, it seems like it points to their greatest weakness, but I think that was Rumpelstiltskin's interpretation of it. So what it sounds like it actually does is it points to what they love most. His interpretation of what somebody loves most is that's their greatest weakness. I guess I guess that would make sense because like I was thinking like point to your greatest weakness I would think like it would point to like any part on someone's body <laughs> or like You're... a plate a plate of donuts for me <laughs> <laughs> uh, for me it would probably be the second season of Arrested Development <laughs> oh good season good season good season it's a great it's a and it's an amazing season one of the perfect seasons of comedy anyway uh, so as you know Rumple characteristic to his beast character yells at her and sends her away uh she is drawn in by an interesting sight now so let's put ourselves in the mindset kurt if we had not known that corella deville and ursula and maleficent would be coming back if this wasn't if this wasn't extremely hyped by the creators for this episode would we have any idea what was going on between the dalmatian and the dark hands and the sand dollar princess leia-esque hologram that appeared um I didn't. Well, first, of all, um, I don't. I don't. No, I don't think so. I, I don't. I don't think so. Like, I. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have. We've seen. We've seen Pongo, or technically, this could have been Perdita if we're looking at the other uh, Dalmatian lead. We, we've seen Dalmatians before, uh, and it hasn't necessarily led to Cruella. So, it's like, but we haven't, and we haven't seen Pongo in uh, Storybrooke. So, or sorry, in the Enchanted Forest. So that didn't. I, that didn't necessarily cue it in 
for me. Um, and then the dark figure that took her, I just took that as a shapeless figure. I actually didn't do it. The, the, the only thing that potentially clued me into something was the, uh, the sand dollar. But the, but then at the same time I was even, even watching the show, I was like, was that a sand dollar? Because that maybe that, that seems strange, but Ursula didn't control crows. And yeah. so I, I, so I was like, I don't think we would have necessarily, we should, if, if we hadn't seen the previews, we wouldn't have seen this coming. Yeah. Exactly. So, I mean, I guess the uh, the right the marketing people were really steering into the curve by this one by hype by hyping it a lot, uh, just because. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Out of context, these things would have made any bit of sense, but it does make sense to Gold uh, or to Rumple as he realizes what the situation is. Basically, these uh, self-proclaimed queens of darkness have he- taken Belle and are holding her hostage in exchange for the gauntlet. I don't know. Maybe we'll see this in a in a flashback in in four B. If Gold directly took the gauntlet from them, or if he like went to Camelot and took it before they could take it, it's the situation's a bit muddled right now. My understanding was that he took the gauntlet from Camelot. They wanted it, and so they kidnapped Bell to get the gauntlet because they he got to it before they could. Okay, that's so how I interpret it. So he wasn't directly stealing from them. No. No, not when he, not with the gauntlet. Uh, no, he said like he, he, cause he was, he said he was in Camelot and uh, it's like a less nice place now that he left it or whatever he said. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So he ends up, despite initially saying that he's not going to take the deal, he does show up at the cliff demons bluff. I believe it was cla- yes. called uh, that night. And this is when our, our big three that are going to be our main antagonists for next half season are revealed. And it is the, as we mentioned before, it is the return of uh, Kristen Van Storden at, from True Blood as Maleficent. Haven't been seen since season two, I think. Uh, we have a new Ursula, no longer voiced by Yvette Nicole Brown. I believe it's an actress from Alias. Uh, and yes, yes, she played uh, Francie on Alias. And then we have Cruella DeVille. Uh, who I I do not remember the actress who plays her, but I mean, I, uh, Kurt, one of these things is not like the other. Yeah, that's what I was. Um, I was thinking the, the, the same thing that uh, you know, just like they they introduced the the darling characters, uh, the the siblings uh, from from Peter Pan, by having there kind of be a little bit of a uh, time travel involved. With you know, with uh, with God, who's it? Neil John, yeah, and, and Prince, you know, Prince Prince Neil at the time, you know, was it Neil that visited them? Yeah, yeah, Neil, Neil was their adopted son for a couple days until he grabbed onto the shadow. Yeah. And so that was kind of like you know, I think what it is with with with, with Corella Deville, you have a little bit of a, um, you have a little bit of a a different time period from a from a classic from a classic Disney trope. I mean, it's not, it's not princes and princesses in a fantasy realm. It's, you know, semi modern day. Like I think it's still like 20th century yeah. Lon- uh, London. Um, so that I'm, I'm curious on the, the, the backstory that happens here with, with Cruella. She's played by an act, an Irish actress named Victoria Smurfett, um, who I recognize she, I briefly watched the NBC show Dracula when they tried to bring it back last year. Uh-huh. She was in that. And then there's also a, an Irish show uh, called Bally's kiss angel um, that she was uh, a prominent character on as well. And uh, a great, great actress. So, and, and then of the three characters, 
she's actually the one I'm looking forward to the most because if, you know, you know, Rumpelstiltskin said that she smelled like gin. Like if this is like the kind of the, the drunk character who messes up plans constantly, um, I'm going to love this. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see what, uh, what Miss Smurfette's backstory is. Uh, maybe, maybe there's a, there's a, a random corner of the enchanted forest that is made up to be a steampunk esque London scene that she's from. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> so, you know, they, they provide their terms. They want her in exchange for the gauntlet. Uh, he ends up giving it to her, uh, which shows the, a kindling of his feelings for her, though he, he tries to play it off by telling her that uh, it, 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 he just wants to be the one to kill her later on. Yeah. Which, Lovely. Which cannot be good for her. <laughs> yeah. I don't think she bought it, though. Uh, so, yeah, so let's let's flash forward to this next to the, the last part of the scene, which is uh, he goes to confront them again. And I'm I'm a little confused by this, Kurt. So he he just took it back. And I were there any sort of circumstances behind it or did he just like no. simply take it back? He took it back. It was, it was very much like uh, how he ended up taking the urn from the Snow Queen mm-hmm. uh, back in back in Arendelle. It was like it wasn't. I mean, they kind of point out there wasn't a deal around it. It was a, a ransom, and so he had no problem going in and take it back. He will not mess with a deal, but he this was more a a, a trade or ransom, and I think it's a uh, a little bit of a shade of gray for him. So he was perfectly fine going in and and taking it. And so I think the other thing we learned is that you know. I think Bell was apparently wrong that he didn't think when she, I think it sounded like when she thought that when, when she stumbled upon the gauntlet, it seemed, it seemed like her assumption was that he traded a fake gauntlet for her to come back. And that was part of the thing that fueled her anger. Um, but it turns out that he did actually trade the real gauntlet for her. It wasn't that he tried to create a ruse that he, he was willing to give up power for her, but he did end up going to get it back. Yeah. If this was the inciting incident for her growing feelings towards him, that, that I think that her whole world just got blown apart now. What do you mean? Like, um, you know, the fact that she's like, Oh, you gave up this gauntlet for me. I'm starting to, to, you know, feel things for you. And it obviously becomes a very, uh, passionate relationship, but then to find out that what's that incident to start out with was a lie is like pretty heartbreaking. It's, I can't remember what it's from, but there was like some, uh, there's, there's some show where like this guy met this girl because a guy, like someone tried to rob her and he beat up the robber, but it turned out later on that he had actually staged the fight. I think it was some sort of sitcom that, and then, you know, there was a general fallout, but then they all came to a, a great, uh, a great conclusion. They came back together, but I don't think that's the case here. Well, I think it's, I know, I, I think it's a little different than that. Like, like if, like what Bell thinks happened was that she was kidnapped. Rumpelstiltskin traded a fake glove for her, and to her, that meant he's not willing to give up power for me. What I think actually happened was Rumpelstiltskin gave up the real glove for her, but after the fact, went back. And took it from them because he could. I don't think that that cheapens his feelings for her and she shouldn't feel bad about that. Um, but I think she's mistakenly thinking that he didn't actually give up the real glove for her because she found the gauntlet in the in the pawn shop. Mm-hmm. OK, all right. Well, I'll have to think about that more in the, in the few months that are to follow. The other <laughs> the other big thing that we get about from this scene is we we, we get flat out the Queens of Darkness is, uh, you know, they're their their wants and their desires and their, the goal that they're working towards which is they 
they, like Regina has talked about so much, want to have their happy ending. And they're they're uh, pontificating a lot of points that Regina has brought up in terms of villains never win. And they want to win for once. And they want to use the gauntlet to point to their... And he they put it the same way that Gold does. It points to... The, she wants it to point to their enemies' weaknesses so that they can take advantage of that. Yeah, it's... um. It's 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 strange. They because you know, on the surface, this seems like any other evil plan that will get foiled by heroes in the context of a story. Yeah, exactly. Like it's like the it's it's a pretty I don't know. It still to me is a pretty, pretty loose uh, motive to go through. You know, Zelina yeah. had I wanted to go back in time and kill these people so I could become the rightful child. Ingrid's was I want to reunite my sisters that I had fallen out of out of love with. These are like, well, we want to be happy. Kind of happy, happy in the context of um, of absolute power. Yeah, exactly. It's it's uh, I I say to step down from gold's world domination. Yeah, they 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 agree the game is rigged villains never win and we're go we wanted we want to change the game together and he declines because he says i always win and i always win alone yep but now let's flash forward quite a while uh though from the storybook time it's six weeks later he has made his way back to manhattan because that is that and boston are the only two places you could go <laughs> outside the storybook apparently and he goes to the new york aquarium to find that Ursula is working there. And initially I thought she was had like lost her memory or something, but no, she she seems totally in it and remembers who he is and everything that happened before. She just happens to be working at an aquarium. Yeah, she's kind of a, a fish janitor. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I haven't seen too many janitors at an aquarium. She seems to like have like be dressed in the, the janitor overalls and it seemed to be like the unless like I was misperceiving things, there seemed to be kind of like a, a cleaning cart with implements on it. But at the same time, she also had fish food. Yeah. Yeah. So would you um, rather be a meat collector or a fish janitor? Oh, by far a meat collector. Okay. I would, I would travel the world as a meat collector. <laughs> nice. Um, so, so gold, you know, brings up at complimenting the last flashback scene says that he was wrong, that he, ca- there are, he didn't win. He was exiled from the town, and now he wants to basically go back to town and take back what's his. But first, to to quote the Blues Brothers, they're getting the band together. Hey, we've got two more stops to make. Yep, which <laughs> should be which should be interesting. I wonder what Cruella and Maleficent, uh, what their civilian jobs are. That's the thing is that I think Cruella is going to be fitting in just fine. <laughs> oh yeah, she's fine. I think now. Yeah. I think she had the she was at a deficit in the Enchanted Forest, but now in the real world, she's she has the advantage. And it'll be interesting to see how they handle Maleficent because Maleficent was kind of technically slayed in the caverns underneath the library, right? Yeah, that's the thing. So he said, I'll make two more stops. He really only needs to make one more because I don't think the spirit of Maleficent is floating out there. I'm pretty sure she's still under those caverns and she can't die. Regina cursed her so that she became this weird like skeleton creature once uh, Emma slayed the dragon. Yeah, we'll have to uh, we'll have to see. Well, I mean, that, that's one of the we'll find out in March. We'll find out in March. All right. So, Kurt, what let's uh, let's let's start. Let's give a big wrap up here. So I'm going to ask a big question here. What are your first of all, what are your thoughts on this episode? And what are your thoughts on this half season as a whole, especially compared to the first three seasons that we binged before this? Um, I really liked this episode. 
Um, I, I, I'm, I'm liking how they're handling this, this whole, uh, mid season finale thing where they take an episode or two to set up the, the next half of the, of the story. And I'm, I'm really kind of excited about this next half where it looks like this next half of the story may be going. Um, it's kind of, it's, I kind of like this, this mashup approach. It's, it's, I think one of the reasons I, I liked the idea of once upon a time to begin with was you've got like, it's a little real worldy. It's like, you know, what happens? Um, <laughs> and you get these people together who haven't interacted, but you, you kind of play up the fact that the role, they're all kind of staying in the same world. So they could technically interact. And, um, and so I, I'm kind of curious to see what elements get brought in. Like, you know, if Ursula's back, are we going to see a return of Ariel? And do we finally get more of a role for Prince Eric? And, you know, we, we you know, the only Italian to Cruella de Vil that we've seen is a dog. Like we haven't really looked at, you know, any of the other characters from the story, which are there's a hundred of them at least. <laughs> um, but the owners and um, I think some of the other dogs from the story, um, like, is that going to be a thing? And uh, with Maleficent, we might see the return of a certain prince. I doubt it. I've given up hope. Well, we know <laughs> we, we know Mulan definitely isn't coming back, but I think the creators hinted to that we might see more Aurora in this. So maybe Philip will be there, too. Yeah, we got a little bit of her and her, her kids. So um, so it, it'll be it'll be it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. I'm looking forward to it. As, as for the season as, as a whole. Um, I'm not going to lie. I wasn't a huge Frozen fan. Uh, You know, I thought it was good, but I didn't need to see 11 episodes of it. Um, So I've I've kind of liked in the past where the story has been spread out and been a little bit more broad in general. Um, So for me, you know, it was it was not my my favorite of the uh, 11 episode story arcs that we've seen or the some of the mini story arcs we've seen in the past, but I thought it was, I thought it was good, but for me, it was just, I, I, I would have liked to have seen some more variety and not so much of a focus. Mm-hmm. All right. So I'll say that I, I really enjoyed this episode as well. Again, as I talked about previously, I was, I was definitely hit uh, by the two scenes of the town line. I thought they were both really acted well. And I thought uh, they hit some emotional points that we really had it hit in this arc, considering it was mostly about people running around, magic a little bit of, of family stuff with with ingrid but otherwise it was a pretty uh pretty tearless uh half season and i thought uh you know they again like i talked about they do a nice job of like wrapping things up nicely but then adding that extra element in there so i'm excited to see what happens in terms of the half season arc i'm probably a little higher than than it on it than you are mainly because oh, i think i yeah. had i had pretty low expectations going into this to be honest um i was ready for like the frozen thing to be completely overplayed i know when elsa was first teased at the end of season three i believe the reception at the time was pretty lukewarm as well i think people took it as a gimmick it's a little a little a little bit of a frosty reception <laughs> a little bit but i think everyone thought um i i definitely thought i thought they were able to create new things you know they really deviated from the main it wasn't so much about you know they they went back to the well a few times and they brought you know, they brought in the shopkeeper and they obviously brought in Hans and Graham Pobble and, you know, and the Sven, the reindeer and all that. But I think they really have putting putting Anna and putting Elsa in Storybrooke and then having creating that Snow Queen character, I think, really deviated it from the main Frozen plot line. So they were able to kind of make their own story without necessarily having to rely strictly on those. Uh, I thought the performances 
were good. I thought we could have seen more, uh, a little bit more Kristoff. I feel like, but because the movie is so sister centric, maybe they wanted to keep it that way as well. I think like I talked about before, I think there was just kind of an imbalance uh, and in an unnecessary way. Uh, I would have loved to see more things from characters like Will Scarlet and some more meaningful things from Snow White and Charming. I mean, she became the mayor and we found out nothing about that as opposed to having to check in on Regina and Robin Hood every single episode. So I'll say that thumbs up on the Frozen stuff. I especially loved Ingrid as the villain. Uh, I, I I still say Peter Pan is probably my favorite villain the show's done thus far, uh, Regina aside, but she's probably my second favorite. I loved how complex she became, but they could have they could have picked up the pace in other areas. Sounds good. I mean, I, I I did like this season how they did explore more of the that's the uh, the B or C line of the who wrote the storybook. Yeah. And so that that was that was nice to see that slowly evolve. And whether it was intentional or intentional or not, it you know was it was it the purpose of it to completely build up to you know this final episode and what may be going on in this back half of the season. But so that that part I liked, and and I'll admit my. My take on Frozen is by no means the popular take on Frozen. I mean, it's, it's well loved out there, and I realize I'm expressing an unpopular opinion with that. But again, I'm saying it's not something that I enjoyed, and I I didn't personally need to see 11 episodes of it. Um, but I know that our, our listeners uh, were many of them were, were huge fans, and I'm hoping that they 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 probably got more out of the season, more enjoyment from the season than, than I did. But at the same time, I, I figured it wasn't going to be a, a year long of it. So I just like just kind of wrote it out and see where it was going to take us. I feel like you're actually expressing the opinions of a lot of parents at this point who have <laughs> spent the past like almost a year watching Frozen with their kids and, and having them sing Let It Go. I believe the director actually made a statement today where she apologized to parents for releasing Let It Go. Uh, and I will say that the, this after the what Kurt and I would both consider the bottom point of this series, which was the first half of season three, I feel like the show is still on the rise. <laughs> It's funny that it's like, I think I agree. Like one of my favorite villains was Peter Pan, but it was like the favorite villain in our least favorite setting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like the, if he had been put in any other setting, it would have by far been the best, best part of this, best part of any season ever. But uh, it, it definitely gets marred because of that. All right, Kurt. So real quick, give me three things that you want to see in season four B. Three things. Besides Prince um, Philip. Oh, darn it. Two things. <laughs> um, I I want to see the backstory of Cruella Deville. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm sure we're going to to get to it. I'm just I'm just like wondering, like, did she, you know, was she from our world and she ended up in the Enchanted Forest and now she's back in our world? Like, I think that could be something that would be kind of fun and interesting to see. Um, a second thing I'd like to see um, is just. Uh, besides, I was gonna say more of that house. Okay, yeah, <laughs> that, I think more, that counts. More of the, more of the mansion. But I think I would say I want to see more of that storyline with the author. But I think that's almost a gimme. I think we're going to see more of the storyline. But I think I'd like to see more information um, on the sorcerer, the sorcerer's apprentice. I still think that they're one and the same. Um, and I think you know, tied into that, what happens with the the hat? Um, and I guess a third thing. Um, yeah, this is going to seem odd and random. I want to see more Ariel and Eric. Mm-hmm. I could understand that. I think the actress who played Ariel uh, especially did a really great job at her role in season three. Yeah. All right. So if I could come up with three, um, I would say one is definitely getting to the issue of the hat almost immediately because we just left it there. Literally, we just left it there. And it's this all powerful object. 
Um, I, and I would at least like to see like the Sorcerer's Apprentice and the, all the fairies that are trapped inside get released. Uh, second thing, uh, you know, I wasn't a big fan of their of their stories in the beginning of the series, but I, I really do want to see some more Prince Charming and Snow White stuff. Uh, I, I do kind of feel bad for Jennifer Goodwin and Josh Dallas that they really have been doing nothing this first half of the season. So I would like to see them get involved in bigger storylines, especially now that Mary Margaret's mayor. I think there could be some fun to do with that. And uh, going on that note, the third thing I would like to see is more Will Scarlet. Uh, I haven't seen Once Upon a Time but in Wonderland, but I've really enjoyed his work in the show thus far, and I think he's a, he's still a very mysterious character. Uh, and I love his like interactions with characters like Hook and even a little bit of David. So if they can find a place for him, I would love to see more of him. Yeah, I think I'll even build on this. I like to see it'd be nice if they we seem to be kind of moving away from the the dwarves and the dwarves having a role. Maybe we could escalate the role of the merry men and have them be a little bit more distinct and distinguished. Yeah, we want to see Achoo. I don't I don't remember Achoo. That was the Dave Chappelle role. In many fights. Oh <laughs> I think I saw half of that in the theater. <laughs> oh boy. I hope it was the good half. So uh, um, if you guys have any sort of feedback for us, whether you have any sort of wishes that you have for season four B, or if you have any thoughts as to where Cruella's fashion sense comes from in the enchanted forest, or if you have any other situations where Isaac, the bartender can pop up in Storybrooke, uh, you have a, a variety of ways to contact us. Obviously you can leave comments on the show page on postshowrecaps.com. You can always subscribe to our once upon a time only feed on iTunes. And you can find that at, postshowrecaps.com slash once iTunes. I encourage you, please go there if you haven't yet. Please rate and review us. The more reviews we get, the more star reviews we get, the higher we get bumped up. And, you know, as the off-season goes along, I feel like a, some Once Upon a Time podcast may fall into a, a little bit of a, a lull in, across the board since there won't be a show going on. So uh, use, we can use these winter hours to kind of bump us up in the ratings. So please do that if you haven't yet. And lastly, Kurt and I are both very active on social media, so you can communicate us to us that way. Kurt, how can people find you on Twitter? I am at Kurt Clark with two C's on Twitter. And I am at a Mike Bloom type. So uh, throughout the season, some people have asked us, you know, we have this three-month break. The show is not coming back until I believe... March 1st, I think, is the yeah. is the first episode of this half-season arc. Uh, and people have asked us what we were going to be doing in the off-season. I can tell you right now that we have no plans as of yet, but there is one thing that we will not be covering at the moment, and that is Once Upon a Time in Wonderland. Yeah, it's, it, it's not due to a lack of interest or desire. It's more due to a lack of availability. At, at the time of this recording, there are no uh, ways for us to watch it on the streaming services that we currently subscribe to um, or even the rental services. So I think we're going to keep our eyes peeled for that. But um, so who knows, maybe you know, Netflix or Hulu or Amazon will surprise us down the road and, we'll, and something will happen. But for now, that may have to be uh, something we push down down the road. But uh, while there may not be any sort of Once Upon a Time coverage or Once Upon a Time in Wonderland coverage, there is still a variety of coverage for you to check out here on Post Show Recaps. Uh, Rob and Akiva are always working on weekly recaps of Seinfeld. They're moving through the series that way. Uh, They're about to wrap up the half season of SNL with Amy Adams this weekend. Rob and Josh. They got Amy Adams as a guest. That's amazing. Yep, They have her. They have her (laughs) as as the host. Oh, not as a podcast guest. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, okay. No, we've, uh, <laughs> I know we're on podcast one right now, but I think we, 
Well, I think you're shooting for the stars a little bit, Kurt. That's podcast five. <laughs> podcast, yeah, we're, it's like a DEFCON level. Gotcha. Uh, so Rob and Josh Wiggler actually just wrapped up Sons of Anarchy. They had the series finale this past week. And uh, there was something, a little bit of a fun thing that I did over the weekend. I got together with AJ Mass of ESPN and the Lost Lives panel. Uh, I don't know if you know, Kurt, but the Fox series Grace Point, which is an American adaptation of the British series Broadchurch, just wrapped its season. And as I've just announced today, this series... Uh, so AJ and I were realized you watched you 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 you, uh, had watched the series finale as well as the season finale I I uh, in the podcast I talk about how I I pretty much think it's the series finale I don't think it was neither critically acclaimed nor did it get the ratings Uh, though AJ and I still kept the possibility open because Broadchurch had been renewed for a second season so AJ and I talk a lot about both Broadchurch and Grace Point uh so if you if you've seen that series or if you're you're interested in it but you're okay finding out like all the spoilers because we spoil basically everything that happens uh feel free to check that out that's a that's a one-time podcast on post-show recaps so even though Kurt and I will not be covering Once Upon a Time or Once Upon a Time in Wonderland for post-show recaps you may see us pop up on the website here and there for a couple of one-time things. But what is guaranteed is that in the winter, we will be covering different things in the Rob has a podcast atmosphere in case for some reason you are awake at night, <laughs> missing our, our languid voices and you need something that you need your fix other than going back and listening through the season. So Kurt, you want to talk a little bit about what you're doing on reality TV wrap up starting in January? Uh, yeah, um, you know, according to this, if the schedule holds, uh, the winter season of Celebrity Big Brother UK should be going on for a few weeks in January, maybe bridging January and February. So uh, the plan is to cover that with Mallory Beasley uh, coming back for the UK coverage. Um, and then as we do every January, we uh, will be doing the Mr. and Mr. Survivor pageant and we'll be kind of getting out the door. So I will be tabulating results for that and uh, working with Rob on that. Fantastic. And I will also be working with Rob Sesternino. We will be diving into coverage of this season of The Celebrity Apprentice, which will appear uh, first Sunday in January. So Rob and I are going to do weekly coverage of that. It'll be a nice thing to kind of parade us into the uh, in the in the general reality TV show off season. And in this case, the once upon a time off season as well. So that Kurt, we, we have made it through a half season. This is crazy. Yeah, not just a half season. We've made it. We've technically, you know, been podcasting about three and a half seasons nonstop. <laughs> Cause yeah. we, with, with, if you have the binge watch at the front. So this is, I know, you know, I've seen, you know, you know, posts on Facebook and Twitter about, you know, what I'm going to do with the, you know, we've got a, two and a half, three, you know, three month break. I had, um, looking forward to a little bit of downtime myself. Uh, but I'm also anxiously looking forward to, I know that once March 1st rolls around, we'll definitely be looking forward to that. I, I'd say, uh, just a, a small thing. If, if people are kind of like looking for, for things to potentially check out before, uh, during, during this, this two and a half month lull, and they've kind of liked the approach that you when know, once upon a time has taken with some of their favorite stories, I'm actually recommend, uh, checking out the series of graphic novels called fables. Uh, I think it started in 2002. I'm not sure if it's still being published in terms of uh, new issues, but you know, like the walking dead, uh, it is a, a, you know, grown up or a adult, uh, graphic novel. And it's a story of how basically some of your favorite fairy tale characters had to kind of, you know, 
uproot and move to uh, New York City where they live in a kind of a special part of town that has a, you know, is under magic. So it makes most of them look look normal. And then those that, that can't look normal have to go live on the farm in upstate New York. And but you have, you know, you know, I think in that uh, if I remember correctly, I think Snow White might be the mayor uh, in, in that as well. But you've got all sorts of characters, but there is murder and intrigue and um so yeah, maybe you know check out the first few issues of Fables. See if you get into that. And for those of you uh, with uh, who are who uh, are, are video gamers, you may even want to check out the uh, the game uh, A Wolf Among Us, which is a a almost kind of a choose your own adventure interactive story with uh, the characters from Fables. So there you get to play the I believe it's the the big bad wolf uh, whose whose human name is Bigby Wolf. He uh, he is the kind of the the detective and and sheriff of of the the fable characters and he is going around investigating some, some crimes. And so, and just something to check out in the off season, if you're interested. And actually uh, along that line, if I can make a recommendation for something to check out, the movie version of the Broadway musical into the woods comes out December 25th. And that's something very along the lines of once upon a time. It was something that got me into the idea of the show in the first place. Uh, it is Steven Sondheim and James Lapine's take on a bunch of story book characters Coming together and interacting with each other, you have Jack from Jack and the Beanstalk, Little Red Riding Hood, the Wolf, Cinderella, her Prince, Rapunzel, her Prince. Uh, you have you have a, a witch character as well, and it is shows an amazing amount of comedy and drama and heart. It is my favorite musical ever, uh, which is saying something coming from someone who studied musical theater in college. Uh, so the movie version should be coming out on December 25th. It stars uh, James Corden, Emily Blunt, Meryl Streep, Anna Kendrick, uh, Johnny Depp has a bit part in it, Chris Pine. There's a whole bunch of people in it. I will be seeing it on Christmas. I hope you will as well. Now, after we give these recommendations, Kurt, do you have a hashtag for those people who have made it all the way through this podcast? Um... How about uh, hashtag thought until March? Hashtag thought until March. I absolutely love it. But hopefully your social media will not be thought. Oh, your, your social media will be thought until March. Yes. They'll make it frozen. So thank you guys uh, so much. Whether you're just a new listener, or you've been listening for the season four recaps or since the season one recaps, uh, we have been able to cultivate a really great fan base from this and such a receptive community we've been able to podcast to thank you for answering all of our questions when we don't remember when ingrid took elsa's memories or when such and such got brought up or when a scroll was read so we are very grateful for that and we, we can't wait to see more of it come march so please use the hashtag thawed until march if you made it all the way through again thank you guys so much for listening have a happy holidays we will see you in 2015 and remember it's okay to litter as long as your boyfriend just disappeared through a magical barrier take care everyone bye-bye